you know me, typically by nature, I'm, I'm not a very competitive person. I, I enjoy racket sports. Um, I didn't ever really get good at hockey, so I don't bother much with that. Street hockey, you know, we played street hockey, the kind of street hockey that when the cars came, you had to move the nets off the road. We lived in that kind of subdivision. You know, we were always respectful of the cars, but that was our, that was our, our rink was two, <clears throat> two ditches on each side and homemade hockey nets that we flanked the road with. And I'm sure it got irritating to the drivers, but I never really got any good at hockey. Um, I can't hit the ball over the fence in softball. I, I don't care much for golf. You already heard about that. Um, I'm not into video games. Uh, I enjoy Pitt and Rook, I guess, with the family. I, I like the company more than the competition. So it's certainly out of character for me to get personally invested in a game so much that I would refuse to sleep. So <clears throat> the only time that I can ever remember doing that was in the early 90s. I had taken a trip with Kathy to visit her family in St. Louis and uh, Brother Tracy lived there, and Jeff Tracy was about my age, and it just happened to be in the evening when he broke out the Scrabble board. And uh, we began this game of Scrabble that <clears throat> persisted through the entire night. Until the breaking of day, we wrestled. <laughs> we wrestled with words and broke out dictionaries and I learned more about the Pakistani language than I had ever known. They were words flying across that would never have entered the Scrabble. I, <clears throat> I can't really remember who won the game, but I do remember that we played until the morning hours. All night long. I, that is so out of character for me. I don't even know why it mattered to me. But somewhere in the midst of that game, I wanted to win. Uh, that's not very, that sounds like a real, I, I, I'll, just some, some facts about Scrabble. In 1933, uh, it was a New York City architect, Alfred Moshe Butts, that created the early version of the game that we know to be Scrabble. Um, to determine how many tiles there should be and how many points each letter should be worth, he calculated the letter frequency based on the front page of the New York Times. He calculated the number of words and the number of letters and, and then began to calculate what each letter would be worth. So Q is a letter that occurs the least often in the English text, so it should be a letter that there is only one tile of. And if you've got a true Scrabble game, one that hasn't been tampered with, and that tile should be worth about 10 points. And... Scrabble, if you've got an authentic game, a true unspoiled game, there are 100 tiles that create somewhere around 178 points, somewhere in there. I, I'm going by memory right now, but, but um, those tiles can create, if you go by the Scrabble dictionary, over 100,000 Scrabble official words in the English, English language. And, and the newest update just happened a few years ago in 500... More words were added, including the word Zoomer, of which I am very close to becoming one of. Zoomer, somewhere between a boomer and an Xer, Zoomer. Um, but there is over 100 words that can be created just with 100 tiles, sorry, 100,000 words, just with 100 tiles in the Scrabble game. 100 tiles. I, 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 I actually brought some tiles with me. 
got an official uh, Scrabble tile holder. And, and so if, if we were to take <clears throat> those tiles somewhere amidst that pile of 100 letters, there is 100,000 words. Words with unique definitions, words that help us communicate, words that help us define, words that would help us articulate what we're trying to say, words that would express emotion, words that would create communication. There are words of love. There's words, this language that, that just allows us to communicate how we feel. And, and there's words that we could use to describe the goodness of God. There's words that we could use to describe God's greatness. There are, there's words just on top of words, just 100 letters. We can create this entire level of communication just with this game called Scrabble. So Scrabble is just one little picture of what possibility exists when we begin to exercise the opportunity that, that is there with, with language and with words. But it's interesting to me that Jesus, when he defined himself, he, he defined himself that he was the Alpha and the Omega. It's the beginning and the last letter of the Greek alphabet. And, and basically what Jesus was saying was that somewhere between the beginning of the alphabet and the end of the alphabet, you can define me. Your, your opportunity isn't limited. You can use every letter. You can come up with every description that's great and wonderful and powerful and true. And he said, in that in that frame of reference, in that beginning and ending, from Alpha unto Omega, he said, that is where you can find me. I am the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. And Jesus, he's not just kind of the junior in the Trinity. He is the one and the only God. So when time began, he started it. And when time ends, he will finish it. He is the Alpha and the Omega. Now, we're having Bible study tonight, and, and I'm aware of the time restraint that we may have, and that is welcome, and that is important. So, so just stay with me for a few moments, and we'll, we'll unpack a little bit of this, because it is Bible study. But in order to understand the Word of God, you must understand the origin of the Word. The origin of the word, the word, we be, it, it becomes such a, 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 a normalized word in our language that we think of the word and we automatically think about the Bible. But the Bible is God's word, his spoken word, his, his communication to us. It's, it's that collection of words that, that he used to describe himself and to give us instruction. It's the word of God. And in order, in order for us to understand the word, then we've got to understand the author. The challenge that we have with texting is that it's very easy to be misinterpreted, even when people know you. It's even more difficult when you don't know somebody and you're getting text messages. Someone say amen. Ever had that happen? You're like, who in the world? Who is this? What area code is this? And, and then you do what I do. You Google the number. Does this come up somewhere? You're trying, to, you're trying to build a frame of reference for the communication that you just received. Is this legitimate? Is this a scam? Is someone trying to get my credit card number? By the way, don't give it out. Oh, that's good preaching. To anybody? Don't text it. Don't communicate it. But anyway, back on text. Um, the challenge with texting is easily, easily misinterpreted. So the better that you know the author the more easy it is to understand the text. The better that you know the author. I, I don't have to sit and ponder when Kathy sends me a text message. I can read between the lines. 
I don't have to sit and ponder when Pastor Woodward sends me a text message. I can read between the lines. I was telling someone today that, that we've worked together for more than 30 years. I think Pastor could send me a series of periods and I would get it. I get it. I know where he, his head would be at. I would know what he was, he was communicating. We just, you just, you know, you're starting to get to know one another after 30 years of working together. But if you understand the author, then you have an understanding of the word. And our goal is that somehow when we begin to understand him through prayer and, and through communication and we talk to God and we, we hear God's voice and God speaks with us. But that's not where it ends. When we dive into the word of God, we get to, to see that relationship in context. The emotion becomes real to us. It's more than just an emoticon. It's more than just something that somebody fired our way and we've got to try and calculate it. When you begin to work your way through the word, you begin to see that it's a love story from the beginning of time until the end of time. And you begin to better understand this alpha and omega that God is letting us know that he is in control. There isn't anything that lies outside of the realm of his authority. There isn't anything that happens to us that he hasn't allowed to come across our path. He is the alpha and the omega. He just wants someone to be reminded tonight, I'm in control from the beginning all the way to the ending. From the start until the finish. I've got you. I've got this. I'm in control. So don't worry. Don't fret. Trust me. Believe in me. Get to know me. Know my word. Make declarations. Let there be understanding. Someone say Alpha and Omega. That's what he is. In John chapter 1 and verse 1, it says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so we see that in the beginning, the Word was there. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Verse 14, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So that word, Jesus, was the beginning. He was there. He is the Alpha. He is. That's, that's why when you just simply begin to break down the word, you get a better understanding. And, and here's what I know. If he's been there from the beginning until now, he's going to be there until the end. Regardless of what my path brings me to, God will bring me through it because he's there. He's going to be there. God's come to help us. He's come to, to walk with us. He's come to assist us. He's come to lead us. He's come to guide us. God has been. So it's easy sometimes when we get lost in our circumstance for us to lose the context of who he is, that, that he is that beginning, but not only that, he is that ending. He is the unique one. In Isaiah chapter 41 and verse 4, he said, Who hath wrought and done it, calling the generations from the beginning? Who, who from the beginning started this whole thing? Who, who allowed humanity to come into existence? And, and who called Abraham and Isaac and Jacob? And who was that? And Isaiah references it. He said, calling the generations from the beginning, from Adam, all the way down through. He said, I, the Lord, the first and with the last, I am. Am he. he said, I was there in the very beginning with Adam. I was there in the call to Abraham. And, and I'm not leaving any time. I'm through. I'm with you through to the very end. God is that one. And when God chose to communicate who he was to Israel, he chose the word Yahweh or Jehovah. It means the eternal one 
or the self-existent one. He, he's going to exist. And to John, he clearly communicated that he was the God that was in the beginning. Someone say that was. So if he communicated to, to John and he said, in the beginning, I was the God. That, that was me. I was. But not only that, he communicated to Israel that he was Jehovah, the one that would be. So he just was wanting humanity. He was wanting me he was wanting you to know that he was the God that was, and he is the God that is, and he is the God that will be. He has no origin. That, that, that's, that's why the truth of the oneness of Jesus is so powerful. Because his beginning didn't happen in Bethlehem. He was the God that was. He was the God that put on flesh. He was from the beginning. So the power that lies in the truth that we preach and the truth that we know is, re is resident in the fact that we understand that he is the Alpha and the Omega from beginning until end. Uniquely and alone, he is God. He is that God who is, and he's the God that will be. When he revealed himself to Moses, God revealed himself as the I am that I am. I am is the first person form of to be. I don't say I am, uh, you know, I don't even know how to communicate this. I am to be on the bus. It's I am on the bus or I am in the car because that is the first person form. That's that I am. I am in existence. I am here right now. I don't speak in, my, in the tense to be. I speak in the I am. So when, when God revealed himself to Moses, he said, I am the God. I am I, that I am. The power of that one God is resident there. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. That he is that one singular God from the beginning all the way to the end. He didn't mark some creation somewhere in the midst and, and we're going somewhere. We're going to talk a little bit about, about <clears throat> resurrection for just a few moments tonight. But here's what I, you have to understand that from the beginning he was. It was part of God's original plan to save humanity. Isaiah chapter 44 verse 6 goes on. He says, thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. And beside me, there is no God. There is no other God. There's no one else. There's no one else to take his throne. There's no one else to wear his crown. There is no other God beside him. There is no other God. I am the first and I am the last. So Jesus was there from the very beginning. He was there, beginning of creation. We said it in John chapter 1, verse 1. But also we find it in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Not only was he there at the work creating the at work creating the world from the beginning of time but he was at work authoring salvation from the beginning of time. So first things first, Jesus was the beginning of creation. We see it in John 1, we see it in Colossians 1. And then Jesus, number 2, Jesus is the beginning of salvation. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. In Revelation chapter 13 and verse 8 it says and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the lamb's book of life of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. The lamb slain from the foundation of the world because salvation was in God's mind and God's plan from the very 
beginning. So Jesus was the, at the beginning salvation. He could be the savior because he conquered sin in the flesh. Salvation was at work long before he ever put humanity on. Long before God ever robed himself in flesh. He was in his mind he had created salvation because he was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So in the beginning we have the beginning of creation. But because God know you and God knew me. God said I'm going to create a plan of escape. So from the beginning we have salvation. Aren't you glad that God knew what we needed from the very beginning? He knew that we needed water to drink. He knew that we needed food to eat. He knew that we needed air to breathe. He knew that we needed one another to coexist. We, God knew that we needed all of that, but not only that, God said we need salvation. And that's this weekend that we're coming to celebrate is, is that God said, I've got a plan from the foundation of the world, from the moment that Adam fell and Eve fell. And from that very moment, God was already orchestrating the divine plan from Alpha and Omega. He knew it from the beginning what we would need. And God said, I've got you all the way through to the very end. He is. Come on. He's the Alpha and the Omega. I'm so grateful for his promise and his plan. Jesus could be the Savior because he conquered sin in the flesh. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. And I know I'm moving quick. Just stay with me. We'll be about five more minutes. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, hear us now, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. So not only did Jesus conquer sin in the flesh, he conquered death. So he was Savior, but more than that, he was our Redeemer. He, he was the hope that we have for the future. Jesus was the beginning of the resurrection. And that's what we're celebrating this weekend, his ability and his authority over death. That's what we're celebrating this weekend, that, that cross, that picture of, of the horror of death, the, the power of the Roman law put him on that cross, that, that put him to death on that, that cross, the, that, that death was brutal and that death was gruesome and and we have just gone through a funeral today so we we're very we're touched with that sense of death today we we have a loved one of our church family that's no longer with us we we are touched by the power of death today but aren't you grateful that we didn't sit and just mourn all through that service but we had an opportunity today to celebrate God's power because that isn't where we we ended the service today we talked about the hope of the resurrection we talked about the power come on of a rapture of the church and and she may have beat us this far in death but we are going to catch up we're going to rise to meet together in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord we have that promise today because God conquered sin and death so he was the beginning of the resurrection Hebrews 2 and verse 14 for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood he also himself likewise took part of the same that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death that is the devil and deliver them who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage Hebrews is saying he is greater than the devil. He's greater than death. He's greater than, come on, he's just greater. 
No matter how you, you, you want to chalk it up, the enemy can bring his most confrontational word. But somewhere between Alpha and Omega, God's going to give you a word called victorious. God's going to give you a word called triumphant. God's going to say, I'll tell you, the enemy brought his, his most powerful word, but I've got another word for him. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. From the very beginning, we have a Savior. From the very beginning, we have a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. From the very beginning, we have the hope that God has given us. Alpha to Omega. God has got it covered. God's got us covered. I love it that the devil's been defeated and God is victorious through us. We are victorious through Christ. We can come back to the music tonight. He is the author of creation, He is the author of salvation, and He is the author of resurrection. But not only that, He is the finisher. He will be the finisher of creation. Heaven and earth shall pass away. But we have this promise. His word still stands. At some point in time, the, the creation that we know it, I can't get my head wrapped around it. Don't ask me. Please don't send me emails asking me, well, how is that going to end? Send those up to Pastor Woodward. He's much better with this gravel board. I'll be all night long. We already talked about it. Trying to find the right words. Jesus will be the finisher of creation. Jesus will be the finisher of salvation. In Hebrews 12, verse 2, it says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Salvation, church, guess with us in the room, salvation has a shelf life. Salvation is our opportunity but at one day, like it did with Noah, the door of the ark will shut. There will be a finish to the opportunity for salvation. It will usher us into a brand new dispensation, but there will be a finish to the doorway of salvation. That's why we challenge folks in every service to make salvation, salvation yours. Make today. Today is the day of salvation. We want that opportunity extended just as long as it possibly could be. We want that opportunity to exist as long as it possibly can. We, we pray that God would extend grace. We, we pray and we intercede that God would make a way in the middle of nowhere. We pray for nations and we pray for countries. We, we pray for our city. We pray for the lost loved ones. We pray for prodigals. Why? Because we want that door of salvation to be left open just as long as it possibly can. But we do know that at some point that door We'll close. There will be a finish to the opportunity of salvation. Jesus has the day when that will be. But until that day, I can tell you this. No matter what you've done in your life, salvation is still your opportunity. And no matter how bad the path may have been that brought you to this place tonight, I can tell you this, that his blood is enough. The cross is sufficient. The power of that blood that rolled down that Roman cross and onto Calvary, it's sufficient to meet the need of every sin and sinner. That salvation is more powerful than your sin. The lamb slain from the foundation of the world was not an inadequate sacrifice. It was enough. No matter what, it can reach you. It can wash you. It can save you, but you've got to activate it in your life. You've got to bow your knee 
you've got to repent. You've got to apply the blood like they did it. They did, they did at the tabernacle from the altar to the brazen labor all the way into the holiest of holies. You've got to let that become a reality in your life while the door of salvation is still open. That opportunity is ours today. And then Jesus, on the third point, is the finisher of the resurrection. He said, marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice. And shall come forth, they that have done good unto the resurrection of life. And they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. The resurrection will occur. The power of the resurrection will be activated in every life. But it depends. Salvation, if it's been activated in our life, what we are being resurrected unto. I want to be resurrected to life. I want every person under the sound of our voice, I want every person in our city to be resurrected unto life. That's our hope. That's our prayer. That's our passion. That's our calling. That, that's what I heard in Brother Beak when he was speaking today just about what his desire was and what the prophetic word was for the nation of Scotland, how that God was opening doors. And, and regardless of the, of the challenge that the enemy would bring in Sterling, God's greater. That he can, he can bring resurrection power into the most darkened, death-filled places in the world. That's what we believe. That's why we preach what we preach. Because he will bring resurrection to lives. The power of the resurrection. In closing, four times in the book of the revelation of Jesus Christ, Jesus himself defines himself as the Alpha and the Omega. Obviously, he starts in the first chapter. He starts in verse 8. He said, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. Verse 11, he repeats not just the phrase, but the reality. He said, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what thou seest, write in a book and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus and unto Smyrna, and unto Pergamos and unto Thyatira, and unto Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. And if you know anything about all of those churches, every one of them had challenges, and one of them had it all together. But every, every one of them, regardless of the challenges that they had, he said, here's what I know. Here's what you've got to write. Start it this way. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I'll tell you what, it gets confusing sometimes. It can get a whole lot like a scrabble board and you're just looking at a bunch of challenges and you're looking at a bunch of words that are confusing. You've got to try and figure it out. You've got to try and win this game. But here's how you're going to win. You're going to win if you know that he's in control from A to Z. You're going to win if every, you, know, you, know that, you know that the word that you need, God's got it in store. He's got it prepared for you. He's ready to give it to you. Whatever that word is, God's got it ready. But you just got to find it. You got to release it from A to Z, from Alpha to Omega. He said, this is what you've got to tell those churches. I'm in control from A to Z. No matter what life throws at you, I'm in control no matter what the enemy throws at you I'm in control I've got the word you need in the moment you need I've got it prepared I've already got it written I've already got it for you you just gotta come on you've got to read it you've got to write it you've got to speak it because the word is yours I am the alpha and the omega no matter 
what the challenge is in our church. Here's what I know. God's got the word we need. It comes in the moment, sometimes in the most, sometimes from the most unusual places. I've got words from God from some people that you might pass by and never even believe that that word was going to come from them. But God gave me a word. It came with power and it came with authority. It came, come on, it came in just the moment I need. How many have ever got a word from God from some unexpected place? I know, thank God. Thank God you look for a word from God from this pulpit. And we get it from here a lot. But I'm telling you, sometime you're going to get a word. It's going to come from the most curious of places. And you're going to step back and say, God, you knew all along. It's going to be a brother Hernandez that just walks up and said, I don't know your name. But here's what I know. God knows where you're at. And God's got a word for you. And you may be confused right now. But if you'll just take a look somewhere between Alpha and Omega. I've got the letters and I'm just pulling them all into place. And I've got a word for you. I've got a word that's going to be a declaration. I've got a word that's going to be a promise. I've got a word that's going to bring revival. I've got a word that's going to bring someone out of sickness. I've got a word. And someone, you need to get a hold of the word and let it release something in your life. Let the Alpha and Omega speak something in this room. The Alpha and the Omega the last chapter you can find it again I am the Alpha and Omega the beginning and the end the first and the last and we with confidence just like this little pouch held all of those letters it holds all the words that many of us may not even know yet they're yet to be released they're yet to be spoken. They're yet to kind of come into our spirit. The word hasn't been, hasn't been released yet, but it's all right there. It's all just waiting. It's God's waiting for the right moment in the right season. And if you're looking for it, God's going to give you the word. The word's going to come. It's, it's already been written between Alpha and Omega. It's already there somewhere between A and Z. God's got the word you need. And the confusion that life can bring us sometimes, it, it just looks like that. But God, all of a sudden, he'll begin to put things in order. And you'll just see greater. And somewhere in the midst of all of the letters that don't make sense, God begins to let his word come through. And you just see it. It's greater. And then, in the midst of the sickness... You'll find the word healer. It's just, it's just somewhere in the midst of all of the confusion, all of the uncertainty, and all of the scrambled mess that life brings us sometimes. The word comes. Healer, power, authority. I don't know what word you need tonight, but here's what I know. It's light in the midst of darkness. It's, it's a level of understanding that we can't even comprehend. God will bring the word when you need it the most. Would you stand together with me? And I feel the Holy Ghost right now. We're going to pray together with the beaks, but I think that God's just kind of releasing some understanding. God's releasing some healing right now. I don't know what the word is you need, but God's got the right word. 
I'm going to ask if the Beaks will come and join us right here. And then church family, I'm wondering if you would just come in behind them. We're going to pray together. We're going to pray over Scotland. We're going to pray that God would bring revival. We're going to pray.